as you work through your career, there will be things that you like doing and there will be other things that you're really good at. Uh, they may or may not be the same things, but you should pursue both. It's very, very important to pursue both. You're about to enter the Akyong Podcast. Akyong Podcast. India's first and very own architecture podcast, where you'll hear the insights, experiences, and journeys from India's leading architects. No matter what your skill level is, together, we'll build on our knowledge and share architecture's greatest stories ever told. Now, here's your host, Manish Paul Simon. Hey guys, welcome to yet another episode of the Arc Gyan podcast. This is part 2 of our two-part series with senior architect and BIM lead Saurabh Goenka. On the previous episode, we spoke about Saurabh's journey into architecture, his role as a BIM lead and senior architect at S9 Architecture, an introduction to building information modeling and lots more. If you didn't get to listen to the first part, just head to arcgyan.com/slash 18. Now on this episode we dig deeper into what building information modeling aka bim is all about. We discuss topics such as what is bim, what is a bim project entail, the cost of bim, bim in India and lots lots more. There is some amount of technical jargon in this episode but no worries you can head to arkyan.com/slash19 where you not only get to listen to the episode but also refer to the extensive show notes. all to help you understand our topics better before we head to the episode it would be great if you guys could follow us on instagram where we go by the handle of akgyan that's a r c h g y a n we put up behind the scenes footage resources daily gyan and lots more all to help you become better architects now let's get right to the episode and figure out what building information modeling is all about let's go Let's talk about BIM. How would you define BIM especially for the listeners in India? What is BIM? BIM BIM to me is like I said before is a methodology. It is not a tool. It is a collaborative process of creating coordinated information while well, coordinated consistent and computable information about a building and then you are using 3d model a central system of 3d models uh, rather than a set of 2d drawings uh, to achieve that uh, achieve the uh, building or the design i think it's a really new way of working that it streamline that streamlines your workflow and it uses an integrated approach to everything awesome all right and what does a typical bim workflow look like what does it entail um on a project at s9 let's say um on every project are you are you saying work workflow related to yeah, um, right from your design to documentation to uh, coordination with your consultants and project execution construction documents all that right so in most of our projects when we're starting off just starting off um we're all over the place basically we're using a lot of softwares we're using we're using revit rhino some cad some sketchup um some photoshop you know anything that takes to figure out what we want to do right um we would typically start using um 
Revit at uh, sometimes in schematic, but definitely in design development and then bring it through construction documentation, construction administration, and then eventually facilities management. Uh, we do a lot of performance analysis, the constructability analysis using the model. Um, once the model is in construction administration, it's passed over to construction managers or general contractors who really take the model to the next level of detail and do quantity takeoffs, sometimes uh, manufacturing, sometimes production and installation as well. So um, while you're working in the model, I think the model-based framework helps you ensure accuracy because um, as you're moving things around in the plan, they are moving in the elevations and the sections as well. When you're adding windows in your exterior wall, your window schedules are getting updated. Um, so instant 3D visualization also helps us. Uh, right. um, but uh, typically, as you go through the process, design development, I think, is the is the phase where a lot of our workforce and energies go into the project and begin. Well, I would say design development and then beginning phase of construction documentation, um, because that is really the time when we are trying to figure out for ourselves what this building is going to be. Um, and the more time and energy invested during those phases helps us better um, as the project progresses in the future. And everything um, is on the cloud, right? Depends on the project. Uh, we try to do everything on the cloud if we can. Um, just, but there, you know, in today's work environment, there are still projects um, where some of the consultants are not using BIM, in, which is obviously very sad, but we, in those cases, we end up just having our project on our server and we exchange that information weekly or bi-weekly depending on the stage of the project. But yes, we, our goal or rather interest is to have every project on the cloud. All right. And uh, as per my experience, I have a BIM lead in my office as well. Uh, he gets un annoyed at the most uh, minuscule details. So is it the same for you as well? Yes. Uh, I think uh, it's very important, you know, like like they say, God is in the details, right? Uh, it is very important to look at the details because small things matter a lot. And as my role as a BIM lead is less about the software and more about the process where I am always insistent on doing things the right way and again there is when i talk to people you know i'm i'm not saying that my way is the right way or there is only one right way but i am sharing what i think is the best way or good way to do it and i am encouraging everybody to to question my way and tell me if there is a better way to do it because we are all in this together and we are trying to figure out a best way for the firm as a whole uh, you know so um, I, I get very finicky about small things but at the same time I am sitting there and my in my mind I'm there to listen more than to speak uh, 
and that is the attitude I think helps me a lot in working with people, uh, uh, different people with different uh, skills and knowledge and experience and motivation, you know, also. And since you had, I mean, you had some exposure to Revit, but not exactly BIM. So if someone starting off wants to get into BIM, right, how would that person get into it? Is it only after you join a firm or could you do it on your own? Oh, you could do it. Definitely. Uh, I mean, definitely you can you can look up, you know, even today I I am looking up information almost all the time. And the best way to learn is to just get into the scheme of things and just start doing it, you know. Um, Again, Revit is just a software. You have to understand the software, but you have to understand the way of working. I think the process, the way you work or what are you trying to achieve by doing what you're doing is what makes uh, uh, BIM, you know, a great process. Uh, so, you know, reading, reading about things, trying it out and always constantly evaluating if this is the best way forward uh, or best approach forward and then the model or the information will support you uh, through the process because you know the process is never ending it will go all the way to the life of through the life of a building and our buildings stay forever you know uh, it's not like a music cd or uh, or an album which was a bad album so we just throw it out of the window in a bin and then we we do another one and it's a hit and then we're all good right, right. you do bad building it will stay there <laughs> every for several years and you'll look at it every day and it'll remind you of what you should have done yes. you know so uh it's our it's a very big responsibility in our hands and i think uh, a process such as bim is helping you through the entire um, uh, life cycle awesome and uh, one of the reasons I would like to do BIM is because automation is something which can cut down monotonous tasks, right? So could you maybe give us a small gist on automation in architecture or if you guys are actually doing it? We are. We are doing it. I would like to do it more than we currently are doing it. Um, but automation comes at different levels. I mean, within the within the BIM environment, um, it's, it's again sort of tying back to my old statement of uh, separating the known from the unknown, um, where you, you're going to always be doing designing unknown and there's nothing that can be automated about it. But then the processes that are uh, tedious or, you know, with minor adjustments can be automated. So um, Dynamo, uh, we are using some of it to um, do, let's say, um, facade studies. The New York Wheel Project, for example, has got uh, this uh, louver facade system, right. which uh, has this rhythm of um, different angles as, they, as it goes around the building, sometimes to 
capture the view at other times to hide what's behind, um, you know. So oh, awesome. we worked out this really cool script in Dynamo and um, really changed rather than having to orient each of the panels at a certain angle all through the entire building, which would have taken us, I don't know, several days of work. We just by that, just by creating that script, we were able to achieve the same result in, um, I don't know, two or three hours, actually. And the best part about that was that we could just by tweaking a several a few numbers we could get several options or several different configurations so um, we're not using as much crossover right now right. Uh, just because our designs don't really have the need or the necessity to use it but grasshopper um, gives you more flexibility in design ideation and all that right it does it does uh, absolutely like um, especially if you were looking for curvilinear forms or freeform surfaces um, where you know um, there are like Zaha says there why there are 360 degrees why use only one <laughs> right uh, so for that kind of work uh, yes absolutely crossovers and limits are endless I think Dynamo is a more restricted environment but at the same time I think it's a it's a good restriction because um, this there's always it sort of gives you some context and some presets uh, than going out in a world where you have a blank slate to work off of. It's like you know building in the dense neighborhood of New York City versus building in like vast lands somewhere or in open deserts. You know, so the context really changes. I would think. Right, and. Uh since you did a master's in urban design, or is BIM also prevalent in a lot of urban design projects? Not so much right now. Um, I think, from at least from what I have seen, um, it's just the just the scale of the project and the process itself is. Uh, so long that you know everything is at very conceptual scale it's almost like single line diagrams right, until right. you get to the real um, um, documentation and design and construction right so a better part of the project in terms of the timeline is always in very very schematic or conceptual stage there's more re reports and all and information and then you know in terms of drawings there's just like plans for the most part uh, but once you start getting to actual documentation I would still use BIM if I had to if I had the opportunity um, once you are working with your consultants you're doing design development and construction documentation I, I think BIM is the way to go because again uh, you know to me CAD is part of BIM too everything that you can use to support your process is BIM uh -huh. uh, right yeah, uh, absolutely I, a pencil or a paper is part of BIM too which is a sketch that is translated in Photoshop and brought into Revit and made a PDF and sent to the client it's all BIM right it's all part of the process uh, so it's you're just making your process more informative and you are 
you're just the model helps you having all the information in one place for everybody to work off of, including your client, including your contractors. Um, and any change is being uh, transformed or transferred to all the parties involved in real time. So that's the benefit of the integrated approach to the project. Awesome. And you guys use uh, Bluebeam as well for design documentation and cross-collaboration? We do a lot of Bluebeam. Um, we are, I think the power of Bluebeam is more um, during um, design documentation and construction administration as well. Like we're reviewing a lot of submittals, RFIs um, on Bluebeam. It's just like a tool which is designed to support architects um, than any other um, PDF tool. Right. And uh, we are using it very, very excellent. Uh, awesome. We are on almost everything we use, we do is using Bluebeam. Yes. And for our listeners, uh, Bluebeam is just a PDF tool, but it's it's very sophisticated and it's pretty pretty useful yeah you can scale drawings you can almost you can uh, it's a vector vector based environment as well so a lot of in drawings that come off of our um, revit models or our cat files can be edited or marked up or adjusted in in this environment too um, it's a very powerful tool and does a lot many more things um, than uh, typical pdf software would do all right and you guys work with the clarity server or is it uh, bim 360 for the cloud based we started using clarity very recently uh and i'm i am starting to like it uh it's a great portal, I think, for uh, for especially for I in my mind for firm standardization and for really doing a quick comparison across different projects or different works that we are doing. Right. It's a great tool also for non-Revit users because you can whatever Revit can log, you can pull it out and sort of. Uh, use it in clarity evaluate it very fast so um we, i am starting to like it um it can i think it can do a lot of things that uh, BIM, bim 360 can do too so um we are using both on on depending on the need of the project um but yes clarity is being tested and used all through our office right now also all right, Saurabh, so you've seen the power of BIM and the kind of impact it can give, right? So when do you think BIM will be implemented in a larger scale, especially in India? I mean, it's not even Im implemented, but still. <laughs> you know, that's the sad part. You know, it's very unfortunate. Um, and and I am, I am working with a few people in India to actually see what we can do do more to improve the nature of bim adoption in india and you know what what i'm re really sad about is that a lot of work it's there's there's not a lack of knowledge or yeah for example uh, my office right uh, we do a lot of overseas projects but uh, there's hardly any local project and all overseas projects are with bim 
Exactly. And a lot of work, like even my firm, we are outsourcing a lot of work uh, at times to firms in India who do the work for us in terms of design documentation. And then there's, in fact, even the projects in India are people are hiring architects outside India or these firms outside India to do projects in India. And these people are hiring Indians (laughs) to do work for them, you know? So I think, I think it's the awareness or it's the, it's the knowledge that needs to be spread around. It's not that we don't have the knowledge or the information. It's more about awareness of telling people that you know we are actually capable of doing things by ourselves it has to start at the ground root level right like i think at the educational level in schools uh, we should be trained or told or taught the benefits right and when we start learning architecture Um, and the second thing is the the laws or the policies the way they are written have to talk about um, sustainability talk about you know our our laws are from what i've seen our laws are very very uh objective Mm. and archaic as well right it's not in par with what's happening in the world right now Exactly. And, and um, you know, unfortunately, a lot of construction is also happening without architects in some places. Um, you know, it's not happening in, we would not see that in cities like Delhi and Mumbai because of the laws. But then a lot of India, there's work that is happening where people think that architect is not really needed mm-hmm. uh, because I have done this before. I know how to do it and I will do it 20 times again if you want me to right so i think that's that's what needs to change and i'm i'm and it's changing it's changing for the better but then what i see as missing is is the fact that we are still trying to give work to people outside and having them transform india into another shanghai or hong kong which i do not like you know uh, we are what we are and uh, whatever we should do i think we need to make sure uh, we continue our legacy as uh, a unique country that we are you know right. yeah i feel the biggest factor that bim is not implemented heavily is the cost right cost is a big factor because people have this preconceived notion that i'm not uh, earning as it is as an architect and if i add bim it would enhance the burden on me which is um to my mind not so true uh because um initial cost you know you have to look at the life cycle analysis um a lot of times we have this short-sighted approach of um, looking at what i am spending now um, and um, there are a lot of inbuilt costs or uh, benefits that cannot be monetized or um, it cannot be physically evaluated but you know if you look at the whole cycle of the project from let's say when you get the project to the time when you deliver which is usually could be from anywhere starting minimum two years to up to eight to ten years depending on the scale of the project Um, so the cost involved in 
in buying the softwares or setting up a BIM environment to me is very, very minimal as compared to the time, energy, focus, mental health, frustration, um, sleepless nights, um, or clients' frustration, bad meetings, miscoordination, RFIs, um, unhappy people, incorrect construction, redesign. You know, if you if you start evaluating all of those things, you'll realize that software is is nothing as compared to what you're getting into. You're really building a big building. Software cost as compared to the cost of building maybe is maybe probably less than a quarter percent. But you spoke about sleepless nights. So I'm guessing you have lesser number of sleepless nights because of BIM. I do. <laughs> I have, I well, I have, my sleepless nights are usually not because of work, right. uh, let's say. Uh, and the BIM is one reason why that is happening, yes. Awesome. All right, uh, Sarup, that was pretty insightful uh, information that you shared with us. Let's jump to the quickfire round and we'll wrap this up. Okay. Uh, so what do you know now uh, today that you didn't know back then? Hmm. The reality of architecture. Um, the I used to be very idealist uh, in my approach when I started. I still am, but now I know that design is not the only thing in architecture and what it takes to build a real building uh, is, is very different than what I used to think about it. Awesome. Uh, what's one book that's changed everything for you? Uh, um, I would say um, Too Big to Fail. Um, it's, uh, it's a book on um, the, the financial crisis in 2008, and it gives you the insights of uh, people or interviews with people actually involved during the crisis. And it just changes, changes my perspective of how I look at the world and how things there's more to it than what meets your eye all right and uh, what else do you do apart from being an architect you did mention something called byob in the beginning of the episode so you could probably elaborate on that <laughs> well byob um i call them as blank your own brain walks um and i do that from time to time it's uh especially during the times of stress. Uh, it's just, you know, endless, aimless walking is what I do. Uh, and I think it helps me a lot sometimes to de-stress, sometimes to generate new thoughts. Uh, and really, it's more like, you know, taking a step back and looking at what you have been doing and then planning for the next steps. So you go to Central Park, is it? I just walk around the city, you know, there's, uh, it could be, I live very close to the park. So yes, a lot of my time goes in the park, but then, you know, the city has to offer so many little moments, uh, depending on where you're walking that, you know, and the point of aimless walking is that you don't, you don't know where you're walking, right? Awesome. And, uh, apart from, uh, Times Square, which is considered as the center of the universe, uh, which is the most happening place in New York, according to you? Huh, happening, depending on what you want to do, really. Um, 
I like to walk around um, Highline a lot, um, which if you may know, it's um, it's an old um, train tracks converted into a public space. It's an elevated train track, uh, which sort of runs through the buildings and it really gives you a very different perspective of of looking at New York from that one high level, uh, one level up, yeah. and you're almost meandering through the buildings while you're walking up on that high line. So I really enjoy spending time on it. Um, happening, if you're looking for a Friday night happening, then I like to go to um, East Village, um, Lower East Side, which is very close to NYU um, and one reason why I like to go there is because it's very Im- very not pretentious you know right. the, the people or the kind of environment kind of places that are there are very very true and not fake and that's the kind of personality I am too so I, you can just be yourself uh, when you're visiting East Village. Yeah, what I've heard about New Yorkers, uh, most of them are generally down to earth compared to the people in the West of the US and all that, right? Uh, who told you that? <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought it was the complete opposite, you know, like people people around uh, from rest of the United States, when they come to New York, they are as surprised or shocked by the non-hospital well we are we are very hospitable but we are you know in new york is a very fast-paced environment people will look at you they may or may not smile at you but it's okay in pittsburgh it was completely different you know i would be stopping i would be standing at a at a red light there's a car coming his light is green he would just still stop and he would let me go because you know he would just wait for me and uh, he's just being nice to me in new york like if you bang a shoulder into the other person he would not turn back and look at you because he does not have that kind of time you know so (laughs) very very cutthroat but we love our work we love our city uh but uh not very polite. You've been there for over five years? So. Um, almost almost six and a half years now. Oh, awesome. All right, Saurabh, uh, coming to a close, what one advice would you give to young architects uh, looking at careers as BIM leads and BIM designers? Um, or in general as well? You know, it's anything you're doing in your life, really... Uh, you have to believe in it and you have to dream and you know think about things that gives you sleepless nights or rather think about things that make you sleep uh you know there's two things there's you have to always think about and that's how i always thought of things there's there will be as you work through your career there will be things that you like doing and there will be other things that you're really good at Uh, they may or may not be the same things but you should pursue both. It's very, very important to pursue both because things that you're good at will take you to that next level. But if you don't do the things that you like, then there's no point doing what you're doing, you know. Awesome, awesome, Saurabh. And uh, just a small question, uh, would you advise uh, young students or architects to come to the U.S. and pursue masters, given the fact that now it's a little 
difficult of uh, because h one b problem and all that um sure i mean i think doing a masters in a different environment more than anything else changes your uh, or expands your horizon it it just changes your perspective of how you look at things you know i i would not like one whether it's united states or it's london or it's even in india i think just the grad school or doing something which is completely different or rather getting out of your comfort zone and exposing yourself to something that you don't have any idea about will definitely definitely help you grow as an individual and that's how i think of not only my studies but the way i think of my work every day is uh, no question is stupid and uh, i like to do things that i don't know about because that's how i would i'm going to know about more things you know awesome and uh, any thoughts on maybe what what your future plans are um as a uh, what future entails for me i don't know uh, i want to be continue i want to continue to work as an architect uh, create beautiful buildings do good work and inspire people's lives uh, where how then it's really i don't it's not in my hands you know awesome sort of that was pretty inspiring for me and i'm sure all our listeners would love to listen to this episode and your inspiring talk thank you uh, sarup for doing this thank you thank you manish i think i have to say you're doing a commendable job by creating this platform i was very excited to know about it uh, when i did and uh, i got a chance to listen through some of your previous work and um, it's just it's just great to have somebody taking making that effort to um, to share and to educate people about small things that uh, you know architecture or involves as a profession because you know it's part of everybody's lives uh, even though you may not be an architect at every point in your life you're experiencing something related to architecture absolutely so thank you yes sharing is caring right and uh, yes. that's the best part of today's world yes all right sarub uh, what is the best way our listeners could get in touch with you in case um, you would well, like to further ask your questions or maybe you could reach me at uh, s.goenka at s9 as a number 9 architecture.com um or you could reach me out you could look up for me at sarup goenka on and check out my linkedin profile um All right Saurabh thanks a lot for doing this guys you'll get all the show notes and links on arkyon.com/slash18 or we'll put up all the details and we hope to have you guys in the future for more episodes and we hope to have you Saurabh as well and talk more about Prim and the world we live in thanks a lot Saurabh thank you Manish. 
You've been listening to the Ak Young Podcast. We're still building the community. Please share this knowledge with someone you know who could benefit. Just send them to akyoung.com where you'll find our free newsletter and for more podcast episodes. Search for the show on any major podcasting platform. Don't forget to subscribe where you're listening right now. And if you liked it, leave a rating or review. 